Welcome to Electrepreneur Secrets. I'm your host, Clay Newmeyer. This is my esteemed co-host, Joseph, the sales bot, Luke Canny. We call him that for a reason. The guy has serious sales depth. You may have already heard me say that yesterday. I want to keep saying that every day, man. I got to honor that about you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And so that's a big part of why we're here to help you master sales, which really is service right? Service mm -hmm. at the highest level, but we're here to help you master sales, simplify pricing and deliver that premium level service. Guys, we just will not rest until you succeed. That's why we're here with actionable items five days a week. I'm mm -hmm. a poet and I didn't even know it. Joseph, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm feeling great. I was like, this session has been, it's going to be a fire one. I know I'm really, really looking forward to helping other people in this section because we're trying to avoid and help other people avoid something that could really end up screwing your business or if positioned properly could be the stepping stone you need to get to the next level. Yeah. So this one's called the subcontractor trap. And I think the reason, and, and you know what, to honor our, our guest, really, he's not here with us, but Harrison Bacchus from the group sent us this one, this query mm -hmm. and said, Hey, I've grown my business to, you know, X, Y, Z amount. I think he said he broke through about a million just on subcontractor revenue alone for Impressive. various remodels, uh, other joint ventures, not a lot of detail there, but I think we all have this little bit of relation to this problem, the subcontractor mm -hmm. trap. How, how did it impact you in your business, Joseph? I remember when I first started off, it was one of those things where we did the same thing that almost everyone else did. We're like, we're going to take commercial jobs, industrial jobs, residential jobs, we'll be subcontractors. And the problem is, is that when you're trying to do a little bit of everything for everyone, you really end up serving no one. We worked with a lot of subcontractors and though it was helpful at the time, they really were capped in the limits in ways we could start serving our clients, like actually really serving them. So I agree that it was essential for the first year or so in my business. But after that, I am so glad I walked away with it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. So let's cover a few of the, I would say the hot points, the hot buttons mm -hmm. that cause problems with that subcontractor reliance. And mm -hmm. one of the big ones, and although it's often, um, I, what's the word, maybe discounted, mm -hmm. is to recognize that in service and the very things that we teach people to, to aim to succeed at, the cash flow is not an issue. Mm -hmm. You're getting paid all the time as you're doing the work. And in many cases, 50% upfront, right? It has to be, I would say non-negotiable is 50% every time. If you're not collecting a 50% deposit, it's up to you to fund every job that you're doing. And that could be very, very risky if you're doing jobs at a certain price level. To go really granular on this problem, let's say you're still beneath that first million ceiling mm -hmm. and you're still building this up. And just to be clear, I mean, for a lot of people, we experience a lot of success, a lot of work, a lot of traction beneath a million a year. So we're mm -hmm. talking to a wide range of people right now. Yep. But if you're in that group, then you tend to understand this problem specifically. The work's done. Maybe we didn't leverage or tier deposits or whatever, if this is remodels, right? We didn't get mm -hmm. that money up front, not enough anyway. Our effort has exceeded the cash flow to date. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's net 30, but likely to be 45, 60 days on the return to get paid from that accounts receivable. And you're so busy that your invoicing isn't happening on time. 
and your your uh, technology or automation isn't quite in place to help you with that. Mm -hmm. This is a common scenario where we see people come to us where they owe, they're owed rather tens of thousands of dollars. And I don't want to go too to you. I mean, this is a podcast episode of its own, but mm -hmm. there's also this issue of your accounts payable and your accounts receivable now in that relationship and the timing of it. See, when you're wearing eight hats, it's difficult to be organized enough to recognize which AP, which accounts payable, in other words, what wholesaler bills, what fuel bills, et cetera, belong to which projects, which jobs. And mm -hmm. so you haven't collected the money yet, but like a good person in your personal life, you love to reduce your liabilities and increase your assets, don't you? Mm -hmm. That's the so goal. That's the way to get rich. So you pay your bills on time. But mm -hmm. in business, it's different. When you pay your AP on time and your AR is out of time, I mean, this is monopoly night with the family. You run out of cash, you go to bed early. Mm -hmm. There's a problem here. You end up having to take loans or do things that you normally wouldn't have done to come up with the money to fund the job that should have been funded in the first place. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned earlier, you're like, you know, net 30, net 45. There are some places in New York when we started off, you know, there was net 90. Yeah. It's disgusting, but it's really a thing that's very common here and it shouldn't be. Definitely. And I've worked in industries, as you know, I've got a diverse background. I've worked on, on $10 million projects where net 90 is the standard for this one reason alone. These are energy companies that are leveraging the interest on that time. Because mm -hmm. we're talking about billions of dollars changing hands in a quarter. So they literally hang on to it to make money. It's big money moves, right? So anyway, reeling us back here, reeling us back. This is a real problem. If you're having that problem, please go ahead, throw it in the chat and just say, hey, cash flow. And it's okay. If you have any amount of um, outstanding cash flow issues, accounts receivable, we can fix that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a few changes up front that can really bring that back. So important. What's another challenge we face with the subcontractor trap, Joseph? So the second thing with subcontractors is trying to determine whose client are they, right? You like a lot of times you'll show up to a situation where let's say, you know, I remember when I first started off, I was a preferred Home Depot kitchen provider. You know, we were doing all the kitchen remodels for Home Depot. But the issue was, is that they were saying you can't offer any additional services to that client. And the whole reason you wanted that agreement was so that you could offer additional services to the client. So another trap is then legally, how do you protect yourself? What steps do you need to take? How do you make sure to overcome those things? Absolutely. Legally and beyond that, I think there's a lot of people missing, even if there's not a legality conflict, just mm -hmm. missing that chunk of the process, missing that little how-to of like, okay, how do I leverage this relationship since I got mm -hmm. it from someone else? Can I touch on that? Absolutely. Let's hit it. So one of the things that I found that was super helpful is no one wants to ever be sold. Like no one wants to be sold anything, but people love to buy. It's a weird shift. It's like people will buy something when they see the value in it, when they see the need and when they see it, it benefits them. But you've got to find a way to bridge the gap between I'm selling you something and you're buying something. The way to do that, I found was offering free complimentary inspections. So you can say, because you've installed, because you've allowed us to install your kitchen, because you've allowed us to install this renovation or whatever have you, 
what we're doing is you've been such an amazing customer to work with. We're going to allow you to have a complimentary whole home annual safety inspection. Normally it's something we charge 389 for or 400 or whatever you would charge it for and say, but really it's been such a pleasure working with you. I wanted to extend that to you just to say, thank you for allowing us to serve your family at the highest level. Now you get to come back. You're already in the home of someone you're familiar with. They think that you're doing this because you like them so much. And then when you present these solutions, you're presenting it as someone that they already like, trust, and respect. Once you can get that next job, now you're able to have their permission to look through at their whole house and they're inviting you to do so. Absolutely. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, another quick bridge into that one is the warranty and who you're offering the warranty to. Mm -hmm. You don't want to run warranty through um, a joint venture or a subcontractor that kills efficiency, adds time delay and effort and sacrifice to that end user. Mm -hmm. It's a bad deal. So that's another good place, a great opportunity to touch base and say, who am I writing the warranty out to and start building that relationship? Mm -hmm. Huge, huge. Anything else on that one? I would say the last, the last thing about that is if you're in a subcontractor relationship, a would want to establish that subcontractors aren't bad people. Like it's not bad to do that kind of work. But you mentioned cash flow in the beginning. And one thing that I would recommend becomes the standard for anyone who's working with a contractor is establish that you should have the same rate. Like you should allow this contractor to be charged the same rate that you would charge your client. Yeah. The reason why I feel like that'd be so important is because if you don't, you can end up doing so much unprofitable work where it just becomes busy, money moving, money moving sideways. And you're actually not able to serve the clients that would have a higher margin. So it's like, why am I doing this? Why would you allow yourself to get in that situation? Sometimes just being a, having a transparent conversation and saying, in order to serve you and your clients at the highest level, we need to make sure that we're treating you as if you're a client of ours. I love that. And there's really two major points there. And you're on the exact same wavelength that I'm on here. We're, we're in harmony. We're on the same frequency, Joe. Um, here's the thing. Most of these relationships end up time and material. Uh, Most, uh. right? <laughs> a lot of these guys want you to come to work for the same consistent rate. And they want to know um, that they can, they can lock you in at that rate and keep you at that rate. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a really big challenge for you. A, because now every time you want to increase your rate, which if you're following our pricing rules, that happens every year at an extent of 5% above inflation, by the way, mm -hmm. right? So every year you need an increase. If you're not, you're losing. What was inflation in the last uh, 12 months? God, I wish I knew an exact, but I know that right now loans are upwards of 75 to 8%. So inflation should definitely be right around there. Right, right. So we got to add to that. If you don't inflate, you lose. And profit margins are all already skinny enough, right? For most of us, we're not even sure what that profit is. I kid you not, 90% of the calls I get on, we can establish roughly what revenue is, but almost 90% of the time, there's a question mark on what profitability is. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know. We need to know, what we really need to know above this is, in these hourly relationships, you might find the security that Joseph's talking about, removing risk, so if you're, 
not at a point of risk tolerance, if you're fairly risk averse, then it's a good relationship to keep your people busy and to keep you happy as in, I'm not going to need to lay anyone off. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to profitability, we also need to recognize that markup is not margin. There's a different formula, right? The numbers are different. And so roughly speaking, a 30% markup results in a 23% net profit margin. That's very important to know. Very important to note, right? So if you're only able to mark up 15 or 20%, your takeaway is going to be, well, like Brian said, around 10. I mean, he's 20 to 20, uh, 10 to 20% he's talking about there. So mm-hmm. trade standard margin is Brian's question. Um, generally, guys, on an average, it's about 60% gross profit margin and 19% net across electrical industries. That's a number I had from inside of a coaching firm that I used to work with. That said, back to the point. If we're chasing this time of material for that security, how do you raise your rates? You have to go back to the drawing board with that relationship and ask them. Now, here's the problem. If they're a contractor, then they are also watching their rates and watching Mm -hmm. their profitability. And so for you to profit, who has to lose profit? Someone, unfortunately, it's either going to end up being the contractor, which it most certainly will not be if they have any say in the matter and ends up that the bill gets passed over to the customer. So if it's not established at the beginning, you'll almost always end up with an unhappy customer because they signed up for X and they agreed for X. But if there's a change order mid project and they don't sign off on it, money's got to come from somewhere. And that's when you'll find the bill. Somehow the check's in the mail. It's not quite into your account yet, is it? No, no, exactly. And, and you nailed it, right? They're, they don't want to forfeit. They don't want to give in on any amount of profitability. Mm-hmm. Their mandate is to make money. It's a business, just like yours. Now, imagine if you were taking a process like ours that coaches you to serve at the highest level, create sales that make people happier in their life. And then you were to work for a subcontractor who's doing the sales for you and just giving you the work and filling your schedule. How could you ever know that that person's going to please that customer at the level that you would, even with the pricing that you've established? Can't. There's no way. So exactly like you said, for them to pass along your pricing and then not represent it in that same wholeful manner with that Mm -hmm. same intent, it's a lose-lose. And that's why I would call it the subcontractor trap. Go ahead, please. There's something that you said that really just jogged my memory. Now, I want to speak to all the all, everyone who works as a subcontract at this point. Have you ever had a situation where you want to give your number to the contractor and then they pause and say, okay, give me the quote and I'll present it on your behalf? Why are they doing that? The reason why they're doing that is because just for what you said, they're going to try and mark it up. Maybe they can't say, you know what, the job is too much. They won't say that. The job still needs to get done. They're not going to take a cut on it, but they're going to make you seem like the asshole. It's like you wouldn't believe what this contractor is charging, but you know what? The job's hard. It is what it is. We're going to fight for your behalf on next time, but this is the bill. But you know that they built it in like a 30% markup on your stuff. So really, who's the asshole at the end of the day? It's not you. It's not the customer. So where are you left? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. 
So those are a few of the problems with this subcontractor trap. And it's easy to see how we get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. And especially when numbers like Harrison put up for us saying, you know, hey, I think I'm breaking a million dollars on subcontract work alone. Mm-hmm. That dependence, though, removes you further and further from independent client relationships unless you have established processes like we talked about before. So if you haven't taken those angles and you're in this place of, well, 90% of my work is subcontract, what now? How do we break through this, Joseph? How do we begin to get our own clients and break out of this trap? There's no simple way of answering it. So I'm going to try and answer to the best of my ability and we'll work through it from there. So if you were at 90% and you were saying, I'm truly locked in, I only have a 10% availability to help service. You then would need to say, okay, my first direction would be, are you able to offer additional services to every client? Because if you are, then realistically, you can start transitioning them into service clients. Yeah. Once you can establish that you can transition them, then make sure that 10% slowly gets shifted. With every client contract that ends or every contractor contract that ends, I would want to reallocate that time towards your service department. And it doesn't mean just, okay, I have free space. Now I can breathe because that's how you go broke. Sometimes you have to grind. And that means every time you finish a contract, you are pursuing all the lists of customers you currently have, offering free inspections, doing door hangers, putting the availability out there. Your service needs to go up. But once again, if you're at 90%, it really comes down to what kind of risk are you willing to take? The best possible scenario is if you reversed it. Most contracting businesses, if you want to be profitable in service, you should be at like a 70-30 split between service and contracting. But you can't do that overnight, not without being willing to take a pretty big risk. So my advice to everyone listening to this is say, okay, do you know which contractor you'd prefer to fire first? You probably have someone that you're like, I don't like this guy. List that person and take all your contractors and put them on a list. And I want you to star them between one through three. One meaning I love this guy. He's a priority one. And I want to continue working with him even when we do service. Priority two, meaning this is a neutral client. They pay, but nothing special. And three, meaning I am chasing this guy and I don't want to do it. By the end of the year, I would ask that you eliminate all your threes. At that point, you've cut a third of your contracts. And then every year, as you supplement with service, you can take away your twos. And then at the very end, you'd be towards that 70-30 split that I'm originally suggesting. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I'm going to continue this trend because I love where you're going. I love where we started. And I want to add something to this. Something we've talked about many times before is the Good Neighbor mm-hmm. Program. Oh, yeah. It makes no difference to the neighbors of that client you're serving, that home you're at whether you're working through a contractor or working through the homeowner direct mm-hmm. by employing that good neighbor program, every subcontracted lead you have could effectively turn into a reach of another three or four, mm-hmm. five, if you're really ambitious, right? Go out there, bang on doors, give them cards, door hangers, whatever you can identify the common trend in that area, speak to the symptoms of the problems that they're likely to be having as well. If you can do that, then you can engage in the conversation that's in their head and it becomes pure freaking magic. That's always we, engage in the emotion. You're right. That's what we always called that PFM. Guys say, well, what's PFM? 
PFM is when I say something and then they say, it's like you took the words right out of my mouth. Wow, you knew exactly what I was thinking. Pure freaking magic, right? That's a, that's a moment where we know we're fully engaged and now we have a conversation definitely worth having. Step further, right? We can keep going with this. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned something earlier, but I think there's a little extra on this and it's a script we haven't even written yet. This is how co-creation happen, happens, guys, right? We're just putting in time here, talking through it and we're coming up with something new. Take that free inspection and turn the script into this. Turn the conversation with that homeowner into this. Instead of just saying, hey, we wanted to offer you this complimentary free inspection. Say, hey, I'm sure that XYZ contractor or it's possible that XYZ contractor missed telling you about our club membership. And because of the size of this job, I feel that would be a real shame if you weren't um, alerted about that opportunity. And the reality is we're going to roll that job into that club membership anyway. But we're also going to be able to place them in a, in a priority sequence where they can have after hours number, uh, schedule that free inspection, mm-hmm. right? What else could we offer with that? So in the first class plan, there's a lot of tangible values. It's I'm going to give you priority service every single time, meaning that you always go to the front of the line. The next step is we're going to be able to give you after hour service. Doesn't mean to be 24 seven. It just means to be more hours than you would work for the typical client. It also includes, we're going to waive all our diagnostics and service fees to physically come out, meaning that you're not going to get nickel and dime. The best way to describe that is if you call an electrician for two, call me twice in a year and it's already more than paid for itself. And then lastly, it's going to include a whole home safety inspection to where I'm going to go through your electrical system with a fine tooth comb to predict problems. So you never have to experience surprises and you can have complete control over your budget. Absolutely. Law of reciprocity. That's a relationship builder. If you ask me. Amen. And there's a reason why people like it. Like if you get offered first class flights, you're never going to be insulted by being offered it. But the problem is that if you ever do take a first class flight, it is so hard going back to coach. Definitely. Love that. All right, man. Well, I think we really, we covered a lot here. If you guys are in the subcontractor trap or you have other concerns with it, please let us know. Thank you, Harrison, for the topic. If there's something specific that you guys want us to go through, create, well, discuss the problems, solutions, benefits, and the action items for you guys to take, let us know. Here five weeks, five weeks. We're here five days a week to help you with just that. Hey, that's the organic approach is what we talked about earlier. I love it. I love it. No, no, uh, no really recorded intro, no recorded calls to action. Just a couple of guys here trying to help you guys the whole way. All right. No script, no makeup, no editing. That's right. That's right. That's the only way we can be here five days a week, right? All that Mm -hmm. other stuff would get in the way as we talked about earlier in our VIP group. The ones that get all the access before we ever record, before we ever hit that little red record button in the Facebook group, Electropreneur Secrets, the electrician podcast community. Yeah, it's never too late to join and uh, become a part of the conversation with us there. Get engaged. Tell us your wins. Get on the win wall and let us help you master your sales, simplify your pricing, and deliver premium level service. That's it for today. Have a good one. Take care.